welcome to Pendleton Center Church. We are the Chancel Choir. If you're new to our church, please pick up a welcome folder that's at the connection site or the welcome and information desk. We'd like to know you are here, so everyone, please put your name on the friendship card you'll find in the bulletin. If you would like to receive the church newsletter or need an update of any information, please be sure to fill out the address, email, and phone number. On the back, you can write prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff. Please enjoy our service and have a blessed day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us pray. Holy God, we come here to worship you, to praise your holy name, and we, we pray that you will come and dwell among us, giving us your peace and your presence. May we encounter you powerfully. May you open our eyes and our ears and our very souls to you and be drawn closer to you and more in love with you. We rejoice in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing together. Shout to the north, the south, okay, I want you to stretch a little. Don't want anybody to hurt themselves here, you know? Start off with the men. Come on. Men of faith, rise up and sing of the great and glorious King. You are strong when you feel weak in your
hopefully that woke you up a little bit. This morning, we do have a mission moment in our bulletin, and it's for Seneca Street, a mission we've been providing help with for meals and for gifts at Christmas and such for a long time. Here's a little something about it. Hi, my name is Dee Finch, and I'm the pastor at Seneca Street United Methodist Church down on Seneca Street in South Buffalo. I have the wonderful opportunity to serve the community there and have followed Brian and Cheryl Rotach, who have been at that church for 23 years. It's a joy to serve in the city. I'm not a city girl. I uh, grew up in Hamburg, but I grew up in a church that helped me understand how we are called to help the least and the lost and to love. As the church, we host worship on Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock, but we appreciate churches like Pendleton Center who come down to serve a hot meal every Sunday. About 60 to 70 people come to receive a fellowship, community, and a good meal. Our church provides a place for people to come, where people know them by name or we get to know them quickly. Sometimes I think we're a mash unit where we're there to help the souls and uh, pick up people off the ground or uh, as people get out of jail or whatever situation they are in, uh, people are coming needing love, needing support, needing things. But we couldn't do it without churches like Pendleton Center and other churches in our district and conference. 100% of the um, income needs to be brought in from the outside. People give an offering on Sunday morning that's usually about $10 unless we have guests sitting with us. But people bring their quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies, um, folded up dollar bills because they do want to give something back. We're busy doing weddings and memorial services and worship as a spiritual place that the church is. But it really is about healing, giving people second chances. And we just thank the churches who are supporting us and the individuals who support us. Thank you for all that you are and all that you are yet to become. And we're grateful that we have the opportunity to serve many Seneca Street and also to provide an opportunity for everyone to come down and visit us. Amen. You know, all three of the clipboards that we have going around this morning are all about mission opportunities. They might not look like it, but they actually are. Um, Seneca Street, of course, and you have um, an envelope in your um, bulletin where you could make a financial donation to Seneca Street as well if you wanted to do that. There's another one going around for help for our fish fries, which are starting up this coming Friday. And uh, No, next Friday? Next Friday, thank you, Mary Bobsey is going, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. next week. That, well, they want to get a leg up and make sure they've got everybody, every, everything covered. But fish fries are about bringing people into the church, sharing the love of God with them over a meal of fish and fries or um, chicken or whatever it is that they're eating, and showing people the love of God through that effort. And the rummage sale, I know, it's about rummage. It's about getting the rummage out of your house and into somebody else's hands. But did you know that the United Methodist women's whole purpose for being is mission. That's what they do. Every single dime that they bring in from that rummage sale is for the purpose of giving to mission efforts of all kinds in the church as the Lord leads them. So please think about giving to mission. We're excited this morning. Um, Pastor Suzanne is going to be installed um, at Christ Church in Olean 
as the district superintendent of, of that district down there, she's very excited. I saw her last weekend. She's very excited about this and, and is happy that we're thinking of her and praying for her. She asked that I would send um, her greetings. And I would like to um, just take a personal moment to thank all of you um, who um, came to memorial service, who sent cards, um, called me, sent messages via Facebook, and were greeting me this morning on the way in. Thank you so much um, for your outpouring of love and continued prayers as um, Romney and I are, and our family are um, adjusting to his mother's passing this past week. Thank you so much. What other joys do you have to share this morning? I know I just gave you a ton of them, but you must have some too. We have no joys this morning in the whole church. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Your daughter's getting married in April. That is a blessing to find out, to find out that you have someone in your household getting married. Any other joys this morning that you want to share out loud? Carl. <laughs> Carl is calling things that are not as though they are until they are, which is a very scriptural and biblical thing to do. Uh, Carl is calling forth all, of, uh, all who are needed, all who are needed to serve in that capacity. Thank you, Carl. Yes. Two of, wow. Two, two of your kids are going to be having, and so you're going to be a grandma twice in a really short time. Loving it. Loving it. Amen. A husband who retired, and, and this is not, <laughs> but, but, it, but it is, it is a, a transition to another stage of life which God will bless abundantly, we trust. Amen? Amen. Any others this morning? Well, I know we have, we have joys overflowing because God always pours in more than we, can, than we can contain so that we can pour it out to others. As we think about this and pray over it, let's return some of that blessing to the Lord in our gifts, tithes, and offerings. Yeah. 
Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day that we may gather in this beautiful place to worship you because you have blessed us with such a place to come. We thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to give to the work of your hand, to the work of the ministries that go um, out from this church. We pray in Jesus' name that you would just bless them, multiply them, Give us wisdom to know how to best use them for the furtherance of your kingdom by building up the people who are here to know you better and by sending out those people who need to go. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, especially for the offering taken up for the Seneca Street Mission. We just ask that you pour your blessings on that work as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. With these concerns and those that are in your heart, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Join me from your seat or at the rail. Dear God in heaven, you know our needs before we even ask. And yet you call us to pray, to participate with you in the redemption of this world through all kinds of prayers for healing for comfort, for peace, for deliverance. We just ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would keep us mindful of the need to pray, to be listening for the voice of your Holy Spirit always, so that we may know when you need us to join with you in prayer. Not because you need anything, Lord, but because you have put us in this place so that we can join with you in prayer. We lift up all of those, Lord, who are sick and infirm, who are in need of a touch from you. We curse cancers to their very, very root. We pray for skill and knowledge and wisdom for surgeons and doctors and other medical professionals that goes beyond their natural learning, that comes from you so that healing may be brought about in the lives of your people. 
We pray, Lord God, for all of those who are grieving losses of all kinds. We ask that you would come up, come alongside each and every one, bringing your comfort and your peace. We pray, Lord God, for all of the circumstances of this world that are not good, Lord, that are unholy, that are somehow even evil in nature. We just ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would go into those places, enter into those circumstances, and bring about change. Help, Lord. Bring healing, Lord. Bring comfort. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that as your people, you would equip us to go forth into those places, to be your hands and feet, your eyes and ears, your voice, so that we may be part of that process of helping this hurting and broken world, that everyone would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and would know the hope of his salvation, the hope of eternal life with you. Make us bold, Lord. Help us so that we can help others. Help us, Lord, to be willing to step out of our comfort zones and lend comfort and peace and wisdom wherever they are needed. Lord, we join together now in preparing our hearts to be changed by you and preparing our hearts to go a little farther, a little bit closer to you. We just ask you to purify our hearts, Lord, as we come before you now and pray together, dear God, I have sinned. I have not been able to completely love you and to always treat my neighbor well. Forgive me, Lord, for those things I know about and for those things that I'm not aware of yet that keep me from being perfectly perfect in you. Show me how to be so that I can be part of bringing redemption into this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God loves us all so much that he sent Jesus to save us from our sins before we even knew we needed saving. From all the things that we know about and all the things that we're not even realizing are things that we need saving from. We trust God for his great love and mercy because he has proven it in sending his son. So we can say to one another with confidence, in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Good morning. 
Today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 39. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed behind and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. This is the word of the Lord. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. That's what they went out into the, into the fields and the mountains and the valleys to see. Super Jesus. He was able to bring the dead back to life. He was able to heal this woman who had been sick for 12 years. He was able to calm the Sea of Galilee and its winds and its waves. He was able to drive the demons out. Everybody wanted to be around Jesus because he could do miracles. And we want to be around Jesus because he can do miracles. Because he still does miracles. It says if we have faith, our faith will heal us in verse 34. It says in verse 36, just believe. Don't be afraid. God is still doing miracles. He's still redeeming us. He's still bringing us from a broken world into health and life. I've seen it. I've had you testify to it. I've seen broken bones healed miraculously. 
I've seen people's eyesight restored. I've seen people who are supposed to die live for years. I've seen people who were declared brain damaged to the point that they wouldn't be able to speak graduate from college after prayer, after the miracles of God. God does miracles. And we need to turn to God in our need and and ask for these miracles. God expects us to ask for healing. Jairus, the temple ruler, came to Jesus. And he asked, will you come and heal my little girl? And Jesus went with him. In the book of John, in chapter 15, it actually says to us, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Does God do miracles today? Of course he does. But he expects us to ask. He expects us to seek him out. He expects us to be willing to go to him. Jairus fell on his knees a temple ruler before this itinerant preacher, and asked Jesus. The woman was expected to come clean, to open up and say, yes, yes, it was me. I was the one who was healed. Didn't you like that scene where Jesus says, who touched me? And and the disciples say, everybody's touching you, Jesus. What do you mean, who touched you? And Jesus says, no, somebody touched me. I know who it was. Somebody was healed. Who touched me? And he's looking around like he doesn't know. It's like that scene from the Garden of Eden, right? Where God says, did you eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil? Like, like of course, he didn't know. You ever had that happen to you? I know when I was a kid that would happen, right? Who drank the last cola in the fruit? Everybody knows who did it. But God wants us to come forward and ask. That's why we come in confession to ask for his healing. It's important to God. Do we ask for what God would want to give to us? But in that passage from John, it said to us that we need to be in God's will. Do we ask for what God wants or do we ask for what we want? Are we seeking out the will of God or are we seeking out our own will? It's right to ask, and even to ask for things that we don't think God might give us. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if it be your will, take this cup from me. I don't want to go to this cross. I don't want to die to my righteousness. I don't want to experience this. If it's possible, Lord, take it from me. But he also said, not what I want, what you want. That's what it means in John when it says... If you're living in God's will, he'll give you whatever it is that God has already decided to do for you. But that's not how we ask. James, the brother of Jesus, said, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, You do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Are we really asking for what God wants? Are we really seeking the will of God? Are we just asking for what we want? Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Or maybe a little more acceptable thing, Lord, won't you heal me? We are so, so wrapped up as a culture in, in the idea of 
of our physical bodies. Do you know at this point in time, we spend almost one out of every $5 on our health. Did you know that? It's a huge sum of money. More than anybody in the world spends, we Americans spend, on trying to keep this thing going. So did this woman. And she said she spent all the money she had on doctors. Does that sound familiar? Every dollar she had, she spent on doctors, and it didn't make her any better. Actually, it seemed like she was tortured. And it can feel that way. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in, in medical treatments, we don't even think about what we're doing. I was a chaplain at ECMC for a little while, and I remember one family who, who had a, a very elderly relative in there. And this woman had coded. And so the doctor supplied the paddles, you know what I'm talking about, and brought her back to life. And then she coded again another hour later. And so they applied the paddles again. They did this four times. And they were preparing for the fifth time. And, and the family came and talked to me and said, what should we do? So I went and I talked to the medical staff. I said, is this woman going to have a healthy life? Is that why you're bringing her back? They said, oh, no, she won't last three, four days. What are you doing? You're torturing her. You might as well get out the car battery. It's no different. Let her go. Sometimes we are so caught up in this physical life, we don't even think about what matters the most. If you found yourself having to take a choice because you were going to be in some terrible accident or something and your body wasn't going to work right or your mind was going to be scrambled, which would you choose? We'd all choose our mind, wouldn't we? To be healthy and whole. And what if you had a choice of having your mind kind of lose its direction as happens sometimes in life or to have your soul condemned to hell for all eternity? What can a person exchange for their soul? What does it profit if you gain everything and lose eternity? We're talking about redemption. We're going to talk about redemption for a couple of months. Redemption is the fact that God paid the price to rescue us from our brokenness. God paid the price to redeem us for eternity and in this world as well. Verse 34, Jesus says to this woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus can heal us. But the word in Greek is suzos. Suzos. Can you say suzos? suzos. Now you speak Greek. Suzos. Which actually, in other parts of the Bible, is interpreted as made well or even saved. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. And well is so much more than just what can happen in our body. The greatest healings that Jesus did were not that he healed people's physical bodies and made them better, but that he fixed their hearts and his soul. Be freed from your suffering. Go in peace. And so often... What people say to us, what we struggle with in our minds and our hearts can be even more difficult than what happens to our bodies. Anybody remember this scene? Um, Lois, did you know that in the future you're revered at the same level as Superman? 
Why, there are books about you, statues, an interactive game. You're even a breakfast cereal. Really? Yes. But as much as everybody loves you, there is one question that keeps coming up. How dumb was she? Here, I'll show you what I mean. Ed, uh... Look. I'm Clark Kent. No, I'm Superman. Mild-mannered reporter. Superhero. Hello? Duh! This woman is staring at me and finally says, who are you? I said, Clark Kent, Pastor Tom. Clark Kent, Pastor Tom. I started wearing contacts years ago because when I worked out in the, in the lawns in the hot sun, I found my glasses kept falling off my face, so I started wearing contacts, and now I realize people don't know who I am because I got a pair of glasses on. Really, it works. It's amazing. But as much as we're laughing at Lois, I don't think she felt like laughing. Sticks and stones can break our bones, but names can hurt us the rest of our lives. Four eyes is what they called me. Now, that might not seem like much to you anymore, but back in the day, oh, I wore the geekiest glasses. We have five kids. My parents went into the store and bought those ones nobody buys. You know what I'm talking about. The lost leaders that nobody's supposed to ever wear. That's what I wore. Big, huge, plastic, geeky glasses. And my friends were kind enough to tell me what they thought of them. The hurt that we feel in our bodies is real. I understand that. Somebody just said they fell off a ladder. Well, I did too. Broke a rib. It hurts. But that pain goes away eventually. The pain in our hearts and the pain in our soul can last a lifetime. They laughed at Jesus. Did you notice that? That was the last line of the scripture. Jesus said, this young girl isn't dead, she'll come back to life. And they laughed at Jesus. And if they'll laugh at Jesus, you know they'll laugh at you too. This woman had a condition of bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. Now, we don't know exactly what the condition was because it doesn't tell us in the Scripture, but we do know that especially a woman who was bleeding was not supposed to go to the temple. They weren't allowed to come to church. They weren't supposed to touch anyone, especially a man. Somehow that was supposed to make people unclean. Now, we look at that and say, really? Really? But she was an outcast. She felt so rejected that she didn't even go up to Jesus. She just said, if I could touch 
Another scripture says the fringe of his garment. If I could just touch his coat. Maybe I could be healed because she knew. Nobody would let her go. And ask the rabbi directly. She had been publicly condemned. And Jairus, he's, he's, a, he's a ruler in the synagogue. He has spent his life being the most respectable man he can be. He's a man who's used to telling people what they should do. And being a role model for everyone. But his daughter, his little girl, is dying. So he comes before this ragtag itinerant preacher that is all his friends are saying is, is a problem. And he kneels before him. Embarrasses himself, diminishes himself because he's filled with grief. You know, Clark's disguise had nothing to do with glasses. Lois Lane, say hello to Clark Kent. Told you what be. Uh, Lane, uh, Remember my dynamite expose on the sex and drug orgies in the senior citizen's home? Remember the speech? Hey, do it. Jimmy Olsen, photographer. Oh, hi. Clark Kent, nice to meet you. Coming and going. It's got everything. It's got sex, it's got violence, it's got the ethnic angle. I mean, look yeah, at so that. is a lady wrestler with a foreign accent. Ken, can you open this? Oh, sure, Mr. White. This could be the basis <clears throat> for a whole series of articles. Making sense of senseless killings by Lois Lane. I mean, we get psychologists, we get... Lois, we get Lois you're pushing a bunch of rinky-dink tabloid garbage. <laughs> the Daily Planet has a suspicion. I'm oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to shake it up like that. Oh, well, of course not, Lois. I mean, why would anyone want to make a total stranger look like a fool? Why, indeed. And yet, that's what seems to happen, doesn't it? And when we feel embarrassed, and when we feel weakened, and when we feel afraid, and when we feel as if life is closing in on us, how do we react? You know, the most amazing thing about this story is that Jairus is standing there while Jesus is having this conversation with this woman. I want you to picture that. Your daughter is at home dying. Jesus has agreed to go with you to heal her, and now he stopped to have some foolish conversation because he needs to know, what woman is it? Who is it? Who cares? Get your tail moving, Jesus. We got a little girl to heal. The woman's already healthy. It doesn't matter. Get the lead out. But he doesn't say that, does he? You can feel it, can't you? As he's standing there, it's building up inside of him. He's ready to explode. We would be too. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Even though he's been told his daughter is dead. God wants to redeem us from our brokenness. Not just redeem us for eternity, and that's important, but to redeem us in this life, in this world, and not just our physical brokenness, but even more importantly, our spiritual, our emotional brokenness. But to do that, we need to recognize who we are, and that means we need to know whose we are. To be made well, we need God to be God which means that God has to be more important than anything else. In the Bible, if, if you put something above God, God asked for it. Remember Abraham. 
whose greatest treasure was his son, his only son, and what did God ask for? His son. Remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he had kept all the commandments and he wanted to know, what more can I do? And Jesus says, give up everything you own. Or how about Paul? whose greatest desire was his religion. And he had to turn his back on it. Moses, all he wanted was a quiet little life watching some sheep. And God sends him down to Egypt. Peter, all he wanted to do was fish and have a decent business, do what everybody else was doing, raise, raise a good income so his family could have a nice life. And, and Jesus says, do you love me more than these? when we give it up, God gives it all back to us. Daughter, your faith is healed. You go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Be freed from your anxiety. Be freed from your worries. Be freed from your concerns. Be freed from all the things that you're living to that really don't matter. All the stuff that you're obsessing about and, and you're struggling with that really won't make any difference at the end of your journey. Believe. Be living for God so that you can have sozos. Say that with me, sozos. Bunch of Greeks. Yeah. You can be made well. What a wonderful thing. You see, they were living in a broken world. The woman was broken. Jairus was broken. The disciples were even broken. Everybody was broken. And Jesus stepped in and they were redeemed. And he changed everything. And they ended up with peace. Did you notice the term he used for this woman? He called her daughter. Now, she's had a condition of bleeding for 12 years. I got to expect that this woman's got to be almost Jesus' age, maybe older. Right? And he calls her daughter. And God calls you my child. You're no longer a stranger. You're no longer just somebody. You are, are part of the family of God. You've been purchased to belong as a brother or sister of Jesus. And so because of that, we can reject the rejection. Christ made you and the Lord of the universe who can hold a planet in the palm of his hands thinks you're okay, even if you wear glasses. So who cares what anybody else thinks? Why do you worry what anybody else is worried about? Why do you trouble yourself about what people are chasing after when it's only as Ecclesiastes says, striving after the wind, you'll never catch it anyways. Hold on to the one that can change it all. Redeem us. Matthew chapter 10 says about Christians, you'll be hated by everyone because of Jesus. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, will be sozos, will be made well. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean everybody loves you. Becoming a Christian and standing for who God wants you to be doesn't mean that you're going to be accepted by the people who are still chasing after the wind because they don't understand you. They don't understand why you're feeling so confident. They don't understand why you don't care about the things they're chasing after. They don't understand that you've been redeemed. Reject the rejection, redemption. 
means you don't have to hide who you really are. You can turn loose the God inside you. Superman is a myth. You do know that, right? Heck, even Superman in the, in, in the TV show wasn't really super. <laughs> Brandon, get away from that machine. Hi, that gun. Did you notice the gun? He had to duck that. <laughs> Why would Superman have to duck a gun? I always love that. <laughs> the man of steel is a myth. But God is not a myth. Redemption is real. Salvation, healing. You can be made whole. You can be made well. You can be made okay by God. The greatest gift we get from God is not what people praise us for. God may have made you a, a gifted singer, or God may have made you so brilliant that you can crunch numbers like crazy. God has made me so that I can preach. God has made you maybe so you can teach or maybe so you can do some other amazing thing that everybody proclaims, but you know what? That's not the great strength. That's not the great gift. The great gift is God himself redeeming us so that we know who we are because that's the only thing in this world that will bring us peace. The world is fighting. You haven't noticed that? Everybody's fighting. Everybody's arguing. Everybody's worried about stuff that won't even matter in Two years, two months, two weeks. And we have the God of the universe saying, it's okay. You're all right. You are a child of God. We need to live in the redeeming power of God and live in his peace. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I believe in physical healings. I believe in miraculous uh, things where bodies are, are brought back to life. I believe in, in the power of God to heal in ways which the medical world cannot even explain because God made us. He can remake us. But I also know that Jairus, his daughter, the disciples, this woman, they all died a long time ago. God does not intend for you to live here forever and ever. To be honest with you, living you in this world of brokenness would be torture when God has promised you an eternity forever of wonder and joy and hope and dreams and possibilities. These people, though, they died in faith, they died in peace, knowing that God had saved them forever and forever and in this world too. You can have the confidence. You can have the ability to live in such a way that it doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you. It doesn't matter what you accomplish. It doesn't matter what the world says. It only matters that God loves you. And he has redeemed you. So the suffering has ended. All they had to do was touch Jesus. And when they touched him, all the brokenness, 
all the pain, all the worry, all the troubles, all melted away because God brought redemption and healing. He touched me and did the same thing and made me well, made me
on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks to God. And he broke the bread. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks and said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of this often, remembering me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this wine, you, we may know the presence of the living Christ and be renewed as the body of Christ for the world, redeemed by Christ's blood. As the grain and grapes once dispersed in the fields are now united on this table in bread and wine, so may we and all your people be gathered from every time and place into the unity of your eternal household and feast at your table forever through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward?
If you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we're going to sing together, Oh, How I Love Jesus. I'd take off my glasses, I'd put on my cape, and I was Superman in my mind. <laughs> Everybody else do that? We thought those capes were like magic. They made us able to fly, and they made us able to do all but it was all pretend. God is the one that actually can change our lives. You are the redeemed of God. He calls you children. He loves you. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter about anything. God has redeemed you. And I will hold you in that peace and that hope and that joy from here and into eternity. Hold on to that. You are loved. Go in his peace.